0: Who's loving life? Give me a wave. Loving life? Absolutely. Who's, who thinks life's a little bit challenging? Don't, don't put your hand up, but I do. Yeah, that's challenging, isn't it? that's not good for a guitar. Life's challenging. There's all sorts of things going on in life. And this morning's message is um, following on in our Bible reading project, uh, the uh, what's it called? One story that leads to Jesus and to let them hear God can change my life. Do you believe that? God can change your life? Yep. I think most of us here at church, people who come to church, have either experienced that or are wondering whether it's possible. Or somewhere in between. If you're listening online this morning, maybe you're listening and think, is it possible for God to change my life? And I want to say to you, yes it is. But I want to say this. It's possible in this room that none of us can change your circumstance at all. But we do have the collective capacity to help you change your mind. And they are not the same thing. They can lead to the same thing. But one of the most incredible places where war is conducted on planet Earth is not in the Ukraine with guns and bullets and tanks and firepower. That's a reality and it's definitely a war. But oftentimes, peaceful people like you and me find ourselves at war in our head. What we think, what we wrestle with, what keeps us awake at night, or what wakes us up in the middle of the night, what causes a creeping sensation of dread to just kind of wander up the spine. Anyone have that feeling of just absolute dread settle on them? It's like it's the most horrible feeling you can begin to imagine. But that dread is, it's got a physical manifestation within us, but it originates in our mind. It's actually what we are thinking about a specific issue or set of issues that causes us to have this sense of foreboding bad. It's like, well, okay, might be. Maybe it's not. And so this message today is meant to, I hope, help us understand and listen to the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrestles with through the chapters 7 and 8 of the book of Romans. If you're going to get your Bible out, you need to just open up there and put your finger on there, or if you've got your device and it's an electronic version, just crank up Romans chapter 7, the last part of it. And Romans 7 is a really very honest um, kind of overview of the struggle of being human. Things that you want to do that you don't do deliberately or by mistake, then things you don't want to do, you do, and vice versa. And Paul's going, it's actually a bit of a mess, this human stuff. It's a bit tough. In Romans chapter 8, is like jumping off a cliff compared to, in a positive sense, with a parachute on. It's like there's this incredible change of gear from the wrestling with life in the flesh as he refers to it to living in the spirit which is a thing that he puts in front of us as the alternative and Romans chapter 8 is, starts off with his great there, now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and I don't know about you but I've been condemned I'm thinking he wrote that a couple of thousand years ago so, and it was true then and it's true now What's the deal with condemnation? And most of the time, condemnation from you can cause me to get upset for a period of time. But I've got to tell you, the worst condemning voice in the world is mine. When I'm having a crack at myself, and I'm telling myself I'm a complete tosser or a, or a loser, or it's like those conversations, you could call me that and I might get upset. But if I'm seriously saying that to myself, I've got a problem. I'm actually having a bit of a a moment of collapse in my inner world. And Paul is saying the reality for a human being without God, without the Spirit, is a relentless dialogue of condemnation, a relentless place of depression, a a relentless place of just being pessimistic. Oh, it's not going to work out. The end of the world. We live in a time when catastrophizing things has become a bit of an artwork Uh, Especially for the media, the the media love catastrophising things because it creates clickbait. In in the days gone by, they had to put the printing press together and they had to hope, like heck, the the story didn't change from one moment to the next when they were printing it. Now they just put up a a controversial headline, a whole bunch of dribble below that, mostly unrelated. I've noticed online actually lots of the times they repeat themselves, the headline and then the, the abstract. Then the abstract again, and then if they're really bored, the abstract again, and eventually you get down into the guts of the article, but bottom line, they're trying to get you to click on the next bit of information, because, oh, that's bad. How bad can it get? We're, we're going under, we're going to go over the edge of the, the interest rate cliff. It's it's dire. We've got Putin threatening to use nuclear weapons. We've got the end of the world coming in 2032 because of climate change. It's like, you, you, you've got... An endless array of issues that can cause you and me to go, whoa, panic, 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 panic. And some of those stuff, some of those issues might even have some elements of truth in them, which is the best way to sell a lie. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll just say that again, the best way to sell a lie is to load it with a bit of truth. And so there's lots of truth in amongst the lies that get put to us. Bottom line, moving on from that line of thinking, though, is there's this sense of, well, is there an alternative way to look at this? Is there an alternative way to live? And I've got to say the best news ever is yes. Yeah, you can live by the Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit into you. You get the Spirit of God. Anyone watch the movie The Italian Job? Yes. The More recent one? I love it when that guy's on that bag- baggage carousel at the bus station and he goes, yes! Yes, and he goes because the goes. It's the Holy Spirit. And so he was only joking, but it's like it's the Holy Spirit. Like right, that's the kind of response I want to have when something goes pear-shaped. Yes, the Spirit of God, because I can guarantee, in the flesh, in the world in which we live, there's always going to be drama. There's always going to be some reason to go. Oh, that's not good. It's just not good. You know, the price of fuel went up twenty. Well, it hasn't just yet wherever I'm buying it from, but it will 25 cents a litre. Well, just remember, it went down 25 cents a litre about six months ago. So it's not, but it's like it's the end of the world. It's, it's just the price of fuel. It's like, well, it's going to cause some people to go broke. Well, it was causing some people to go broke before. It's like It doesn't make it right, but my point is, that's just the dialogue of life in the, in the flesh. And Paul is saying, what a wretched man I am when I'm living in that zone when that's the only thing I've got to focus on. My only hope in the world is that the government will put a policy in place that'll make my life better. If that's where I'm living, I am a wretched person. And I come to church, I follow Jesus, I'm part of the community of faith, the kingdom of God is a big part of my life because I don't want to live there. I made a decision a long time ago to move over here. Still living in this space with all you lot and all that lot. And all of us lot, that's good. I didn't drop dead the moment I gave my life to Jesus, but I did decide and I was invited to and I was welcomed into another place called the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom that's got life and it's got peace. It's got eternity. It's got hope. It's got healing. It's got abundance. It's got everything that you could possibly imagine that's good, it's in the kingdom. And as yours and mine as Christ's followers to have now in the midst of all of the glum that is going on around us. So he transitions, as in Paul transitions the story from the flesh to the spirit. In Romans 8, 6, he says, The mind governed, say governed, Govend. the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What, is that, what does the word govern and government elicit in you? Is it a good vibe? Is it a suspicious vibe? It's like, if you thinking about the government, government, like, government authorities, it's like, yeah, well, okay. Um, yep, okay, we just move on from that line of thing. Governor. But a, a governor is actually a good thing. Anyone here into motor mechanics knows that an engine is actually saved from destruction by a governor as an actual part of an engine called the governor. And in theory, a rotary combustion engine has got no reason to not actually spin fast enough to destroy itself. Just keep on adding fuel, and just keep on adding fuel. If you get enough fuel in that engine, you can cause it to blow up. Um, A governor is a part of the engineering for internal combustion engine to actually limit. Say limit. Limit. Governing authorities. Government, governor, In this sense, the mind governed by the flesh. In other words, if you're letting the flesh set your boundaries, you're heading to death. That's the end of the story. Paul says straight up the next part of the sentence, but the mind, and it's not just ideas, it's say, the mind. This, this word, your mind, is really, really, really important to God. Because what you think... At the end of the day, it will determine where you go. It'll determine what you do. It'll determine what you won't do. And so the mind, your decision-making process, is governed, in other words, limited. Oh, that doesn't sound like freedom. No, freedom isn't to do whatever you want. Freedom does not mean I have no boundaries. In fact, the freest people in the world have got a framework of boundaries around them. I'm the freest person on the earth as a married man, but I can't go and just hook up with any other chick that I want. It's limited. But marriage is great. Yeah. And I love my wife. Is she the perfect woman on the planet Earth? She would say she's not, because she isn't. She's not perfect, nor am I. But that limit of and the honouring of marriage is all about freedom. Yeah. I'm free to be the best Bruce ever when I'm married to Julie. Could I have married somebody else? My personal theory on that is I could have. I don't believe in there being only one person on the planet that's a partner for each person. You might. I don't want to have an argument about it with you um, at all. Not, Not what I'm saying is. But at the end of the day, we've got to get a different head around what it means to have boundaries around our life and things we cannot do, things we will not do, things that limit us. Why? Because we live for the benefit of other people. There's things I won't do consciously because it can have a negative impact on people. And thank God for the Holy Spirit, He can show me things that I shouldn't do and or that I should do to be positive about it that I might not think in my little pea-sized brain for myself. So I've got outside help. You've got outside help. You've got heavenly help to help us make good choices within the boundaries of... Of the mind governed by the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy to be governed by the Spirit. He's like a pretty cool dude. He knows everything about everything and he knows what's best for me, he knows what's best for you, and he knows what's best for us. So I'm happy to be governed. If I'm about to say something that upsets David Datto and it just blurts out of my mouth because I'm being governed by the flesh, the boundaries of the flesh are not the same as the boundaries of the Spirit. And so it'll come out of my mouth and I'll blow off my friendship and we'll, we'll might part company, you know, we might even get into fisticuffs in the front car park. It's, it's happened at some churches, I've heard. But the mind governed by the Spirit's going, you know what, even if I think I'm right, I'm not prepared to be because I can be 100% right and 100% wrong at the same time. Because winning the war doesn't necessarily win the Friendship winning the war or the battle, being right, and proving myself to be right. If that's what I want, but I'm completely oblivious to the destruction that that desire has to the people around me, then I'm I've lost. And thank God again for the Holy Spirit, He, he is the one who said, Hang on, Bruce, you might be right, but what you're doing by insisting on putting your opinion down and your view down on the table as the way forward is actually destroying this, destroying that, destroying that. Oh, I didn't see that. That's why the Holy Spirit governs you and me. Make sense? Okay. So, Paul's saying, I've got three points this morning. That was just the introduction. I'm always measuring how I'm doing. That's what Romans 7 is about. The flesh is about measuring what I'm doing. That is a fruit of the flesh, knowledge. The more knowledge I've got, feedback, my score, passing a test, obeying a ruling, fitting into a group, fitting into a family, fitting into a school class, fitting into church, all pushed down the performance road. Am I performing okay? Even preaching, am I performing okay? Am I actually, if you scored me out, I can me with Phil Pringle or... What's his name? Furtick, um, Steve Furtick, um, or Craig Rochelle, or some of the other people you listen on online is like, I bet mean, you I know, I get compared to, and I compare myself with, and it's like there is no future in that. That's what Paul's saying. Become a slave. What a wretched man I am in 7:24. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen? Same for you. Um, And who will rescue us? Well, Jesus does. Thank goodness for that. Romans 8 verse 5 goes on to say, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set. Say minds. Set. Say set. set. Is your mind set? I've made up my mind. Don't confuse me with the facts. Made up my mind. Anybody here willing to, don't put your hand up, just admit they're a little bit stubborn. Yeah, so, I'm looking around, there's a few people helping a few others to put their hands up here. So just, just, I'd say speak for, speak for yourself, okay? Just just go there, just, be, just speak for yourself. You, the, the ones of us here that are prepared to admit that we're stubborn, I'm talking to you. You're hard work. Not for me, but for yourself. You're hard work on backing down. What is it about not needing or not being able to back down? That's a good question to ask yourself. Why is it so important for me to actually hold my ground? Great quality to have. Stubbornness is actually a really helpful thing on one hand, but on the other, like every good attribute we can dig out of a human being, it's got an Achilles heel, and it can lead us down some interesting paths of distress. He goes on to say in verse 5 of chapter 8, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So my thought life, this is my second point, indicates where I live. If I got to have a conversation with you over a coffee and started talking to you about things that really mattered to you, what it is you are planning to do with your life? If you're a young person, a young person. If you're an old codger like me, things you might be planning to do as you retire from work or whatever. Maybe thinking about, well, what's going to happen when I a few more aches and pains when I can't pull the weeds up? It takes me a few minutes to get up from the ground now. Pulling up weeds, it's like that's only going to get better, right? Is that right, Jordan? No, shaking his head. Okay. Well, you might be able to help me with that as time goes on. right? just keep those muscles from atrophying. Is that what the word is? Mm. Anyway. Um, (laughs) So my thought life indicates where I live. Let me just... So internal conversations that are depressing. If you sat around me and you just kept on raving on how bad things are, oh, nothing's working out, I had these dreams, nothing's coming. So I'd go, you know where you're living? You're living in the flesh. Because that that kind of thinking doesn't come out of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit's not glum, depressed, wondering what's going to happen. God's Spirit's leading everybody who wants to get on board with where he's going into the kingdom, living a life that's full of life and peace. It's like the contrast is, is absolutely stark. I'm not saying that it's evil or wrong to be in the flesh. It's just that it's actually got a big name stuck to it called D-E-A-T-H, death. Doesn't go anywhere. The alternative is the spirit, and that is L-I-F-E, life. I don't know about you, but I'd rather choose that than the other. But oftentimes we get stuck in death valley because that's what it is. It's a valley. And someone's calling out to you, Oi, you down there, there's another way of living. There's another way of doing this. There's another way of walking out of this mess. There's another way to actually get through this valley. it's not death, it's life. It's in the Spirit. Well, Am I going to get out of the valley? I don't know. Is anyone going to pull me out? I don't know. But I know this, if you can get your mind to focus on the Spirit, the valley, whether it's deep and long or short and not that deep for you to walk through... All I know is either way you win because you get life and you get peace in the midst of the difficulties that we all face as human beings. Got to love the, the way God works. So internal conversations that are filled with hope, joy, life, peace, no condemnation come from a mind that is set on what the Spirit desires and Paul is encouraging us all to go there. In fact, when I did a word search, it just in the NIV version of the book of Romans, the word mind is seriously uh, well-represented. He realises that most of the, the problems that we encounter is actually wrapped up in the area of our thinking. For example, 8 verse 7 says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It's like, hmm, ever walked into church really cranky? and stayed that way? Like, you just know you're really just, you're hostile, you've got a bit of angst on you. Well, that's, that's a mind that's probably being controlled by the flesh. And the invitation, like there is at every turn in a meeting like this, is to choose. What about right now? Could you choose to drop that? Could you choose right now to just let go of that mindset and pick up another one? It's not, always, it's not easy to do, but... Preaching's one of the ways that, that hopefully we get to hear, is there another way of doing this? Doesn't always come out that way. But that's the intent, as far as I'm concerned, is to position a message so that you can choose, am I going to keep doing life this way? Or am I actually going to be open to changing my mind and doing it that way? And so, and we live in a, in a world at the moment in the flesh where it is very, very scorned upon to try and impose what you think on another person. It's become a big no-no. So in other words, what's being shut down is alternatives. It's actually going to become illegal in some theatres and some particular issues, and is already illegal in some parts of the country, to actually talk with people about the alternative to the way they are feeling or thinking or where their mind is set. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's out of the kingdom of God. I think it's right out of the pits of hell, in fact, because it's shutting down free thinking. Free speech is kind of a bit of in vogue as an issue, like the freedom. What does that actually mean? Well, it's the freedom of ideas. Am I allowed to have an original idea and put it out there or not? In some places, not on your Nelly. Just zip it, Pastor Bruce. <laughs> don't, don't say those things in public anymore. Ooh, you get into serious trouble. It's like, whoa, okay. It's like, where's that coming from? That is not out of the kingdom of heaven. So I'm not saying to be anarchists or rebellion. That's, like it, that's not the alternative. The, the, the alternative is on the inside to just let the spirit of life, that, that incredible bubbling up sense of goodness, keep bubbling up. Don't suppress that. Let it rise up. Let him rise up on the inside. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in that realm of the flesh cannot please God. Verse 27, we're in Romans 8 again. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. This is just the word mind coming up in a few scriptures that Paul wrote. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. Do not conform, Romans 12, this, I love this verse. Verse 2, you don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is possible this morning for you to completely change the trajectory of your life by the way you're thinking about what you're in at the moment and where it's at. How much money have you got? How much debt have you got? How much fuel in the fuel tank? That might be a big, I mortgaged the house to fill the car up soon, it's like. How are your kids doing? If you've got kids, if you haven't got kids, probably a good thing. <laughs> as far as worrying is concerned. If you want kids, uh, that's a good thing too. And having kids is actually also a good thing. But bury, no, I'm burying myself from that one. You, you know my heart, right? Don't you start jumping to conclusions about what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, what troubles you? I mentioned I asked that earlier up. What is it that's troubling you this morning? I'm really keen to finish up here with you having a moment where you just let God into that space. So why don't we stand on our feet? There are endless... They are literally endless entities and people. Technology is adding to complexity with this. Seeking to get your attention and influence your thinking. At every turn, whatever you do, wherever you go, you are being influenced. The education system in the country is a place of incredible responsibility and influence. And people, in my opinion, with dubious ends in mind, have for decades been writing narratives within curriculums. There are massive forces at work at the moment to write and rewrite history. Revisionism is an art form that's well and truly at work in our country. All of that stuff is maybe not concerning you, and that's cool. It concerns me a lot. It really bugs me, Um, and I think about it a lot. But I I think about it from the perspective. I don't want people to lose hope. I don't want anybody to live with a perpetual voice of condemnation over them because of the colour of their skin or because of the social economic reality of their life. Disadvantage for Australians and people around the world is a reality. There's no doubt about that. And the disparity between the wealthy and the poor. I've got to tell you, there isn't a government system in the flesh on planet that's been, present, or coming down the track that can fix that. Let me be totally blunt. Do not be deceived and conform to the pattern of this world. Your government, my government, whatever you think of it, whichever side of the political side that it might sit, cannot solve that problem. That's just my prediction. If we ditch democracy in the next 50 years because it doesn't work, I guarantee whatever is picked up will not work either because the human heart is corrupted to its core. The Bible says it. Every inclination of the heart is evil from birth. You can't get past that. And so the solution is not worldly. The solution is godly. And in the middle of all that confusion, whatever that looks like, wherever we end up landing as a community in Australia and in the the global context, I got good news for you. Really good news. You can live above that in here by choosing life in the Spirit. Let me pray. Father God, We just pray that we would find that we can put barriers, You would put protection around our thinking. Lord, that we make choices today that bring life and peace. Lord, I pray over every person, over every family, over every business, over every individual, over every child in the children's program this morning, Lord, for a young person that's here. Single, married, in a relationship, kids, no kids, from all walks of life, Lord, I pray that we'd pick up life in the Spirit and that we'd find life and peace flooding into our circumstance, flooding into our minds, flooding into our hearts in spite of the challenges of our current context. We pray for our government. We do pray for the people who lead us. We pray for the influences and the voices that we listen to, that we'd filter out the things, Lord, by Your Spirit that are not going to bring us life and hope and joy. And help us to be ones who help other people to live in a space of hope, place of love and life and faith. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. If I've said anything this morning that's stirred you up, positively or negatively, in front of the church down here, I just hang around down here for quite a few minutes afterwards, more than happy to talk with you, more than happy to pray with you, more than happy to just listen to you. So please come and down here at the end of the service. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's the day, then you need to come and speak to me as well. Giving your life to Jesus is about stepping out of Romans 7 and living in Romans 8. No condemnation in Jesus' Name. Let's remain standing and close with a song.